Hello. Thank you for listening to the sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allows you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Well, as most evil villains do, they turn around in their chair to give you a message. Uh, I'm not an evil villain, but we just thought that would be funny. So hopefully I put a smile on your face. Um, I do want to uh, show you a video. Our missionaries, Doug and Dee Valenzuela in Naples, Italy, um, back a few weeks ago, I put out the plea um, to us um, to give sacrificially. And uh, at this point, we've given uh, over uh, $3,200 to them. And Doug put together this video um, and sent it to me last week, and I didn't have it in time to show, but I want to show it to you today. It's from the three pastors that, that, that these funds went towards to help their families, as they have no income and no way of providing for their families right now. Um, so this is a way for us as a church to be able to help them and to be able to do that. And so um, when you watch this video, the video is going to come in very softly. And so you're going to need to turn up your volume. Um, there's nothing more that we can do on our end. Uh, we're going to crank it out as, as much as we can. But you'll need to turn it up on your end. And then each pastor speaks a little bit different. Um, and, and the first one's very soft. And so just... Have your remote in hand, ready to fluctuate your volume, and then uh, I'll come back and I'll join you here, and then we'll walk through uh, Acts chapter 2, the ver first 13 verses. So you can take your Bibles, turn to Acts um, 2, verses 1 through 13, um, but watch this short video of thanks. Well, I hope that was an encouragement to you, and uh, it was to me just to think, uh, first of all, just how awesome and wonderful our God is how big he is, but also, too, how the body of Christ um, is all across the globe and, uh, and that we can help uh, one another during, uh, during a, a pandemic, during a time where universal, um, there, there are some hard things going on. And so, again, want to thank you as the church, the family at West Hill for giving um, to our missionaries in that way. And I just ask that you continue to pray not only for Doug and Dee and uh, for the three pastors and their families there in Italy, but also for our other missionaries across the globe who are walking through um, just a difficult time and uh, a hard time to minister, um, just as um, I'm not able to gather with, uh, with you. Um, they're not able to gather with, with the people they're, they're trying to reach uh, and minister to. So, so continue to keep praying for our missionaries as they're an extension of our, our staff, our family here at West Hill. And, uh, and I appreciate that. Uh, I do have some wonderful and great news this morning. Uh, the first is going to be a little picture that, that uh, Lene is going to put up for me here. Um, she's got it up, and it is little baby Nylinger. Uh, Judah Thomas Nylinger uh, was born on Friday late afternoon, and you can see his stats there. Um, just adorable. I can't wait to hold him. I've already offered to babysit. Um, to do anything that they need, but uh, um, you can celebrate with us. They are home. Um, Emily and Judah came home uh, yesterday, last evening, and uh, they're home and doing well, so you can continue to keep praying for them. 
also, too, uh, have some other great news, Seth and Dana. Um, you got that picture up, Nay? All right, Seth and Dana, if you see there on Dana's finger, um, she has a ring on it. And so we just want to celebrate Seth and Dana and their engagement um, that also happened on Friday. And so we celebrate with you guys and we're praying for you guys as you continue to walk with the Lord together. So that's some great news. I think it's always important to be able to look and to thank the Lord for what he's doing in our lives. And so we celebrate, uh, we celebrate together. So we're here in Acts. Um, chapter 2, and I want to read to you the first 13 verses, and then we'll kind of walk through it. Uh, last week was a little bit more of a Bible study. Uh, this week will probably be more of a um, little Bible study in the beginning, but then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach a little bit, and I'm going to challenge us. And so I hope that you'll stay with me the whole time um, as we kind of walk through a section that can kind of be controversial. Uh, I don't want to dig into the, all that about speaking in tongues and stuff. We're going to address a little bit of that. But when we come to the end of it, it, I think it raises questions, and I think that's where we are today. Um, we have a lot of questions, and so I'll talk about that a little bit here. But if you have your Bibles, and turn with me to Acts chapter 2. If you're there with me, then I want to read to you verses 1 through 13. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house uh, where they were sitting. The divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in another tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, um, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galatians? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, Arabians. And we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? And others mocked, saying, They are filled with new wine. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you would use your word to help us to understand you better today. Lord, I pray that no matter where we are in our lives and, and what questions we may have, that we would turn to you and search and seek you, Lord, to seek um, what you would have for us to understand. And Lord, help us to understand how much you love us and how much you care for us and how you are with us, no matter what happens around us. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. As we look here at this section, um, we see that it is when the day of Pentecost uh, arrived. So often when people talk about the day of Pentecost, we reference today uh, back to the New Testament and this coming of the Spirit. It's really the fulfillment of Jesus' promise to the disciples that they were to stay in Jerusalem until the coming of the Spirit. 
But actually, the day of Pentecost has Old Testament roots. So you need to go back to the, the book of Leviticus. And, and in the book of Leviticus 23, verse 9, and then verses 15 through 21, tell us that this was a feast that God had set up for the nation of Israel, his own chosen people, to 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 feast and to gather um, as they gathered their grain. This was the feast of the grain harvest or what's called um, Pentecost, the feast of weeks. And so uh, they would bring their first fruits to God and, and, and honor him and celebrate God giving them the harvest. And so here was a time where the Jews were all gathered together. They were gathering in Jerusalem and they were celebrating God giving to them the harvest. And so, um, we see this is in parallel later in the Old Testament as, uh, as Moses hands down the law um, that this uh, feast, uh, the feast of the weeks or Pentecost, kind of gels together with the celebration of God giving his people the law through Moses at Mount Sinai. So in, in some ways, there have been some who have brought um, that connection from Moses and the law and God um, working through Moses and then the, the, the outpouring of the law there and the outpouring of God revealing himself in certain ways um, in that Old Testament accounts to this New Testament account. Again, I don't want us to get too hung up on that. I think it's pretty neat. There's some different correlations as you as you study that. Uh, I encourage you to do that. But as we look at this New Testament account, what Dr. Luke is writing for us in Acts chapter 2, he says that when the day of Pentecost arrived, this grain feast has come, um, they were all gathered together in one place. Well, who was there? Well, when you look back at chapter 1, these are the disciples, and these are probably about 120 who have gathered in the upper room. And so we know that they've gathered. They're there worshiping, uh, praying, uh, asking God to work, and they're, and they're being obedient to what, what Jesus has told them to do. And that was to stay in Jerusalem until the coming of the Spirit. Verse 2 tells us, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And so here's, here's a view. Again, we're sitting there. We see um, Dr. Luke is, is explaining, here is the mighty wind uh, that's happening, that's twirling around them. And then verse 3, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So here we see uh, the fulfillment of the promise that Jesus, who said he was going to send a helper from the Father, uh, has done it. Here's the day. And, and it reminds us that God is faithful, not in our timing and not according to our plan, but God is faithful. God will do what he says he will do. And so we see this fulfillment. The Spirit comes upon uh the, the, those who are, have gathered there in this place and, and they begin to speak and they speak in such a way that Dr. Luke helps us to understand how are they speaking? What makes this so different? 
How is it, how is the, the spirit resting upon them and coming in them? How is there evidence that this has happened? Not only does he give the visual, the wind and like, like fires of tongue, um, that has rested upon them. He gives us this visual, but he also gives us a very specific, um, evidences of how the spirit has now changed and how God is working in through his people here. And so verse five says, now they were, there were dwelling Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Remember, they're probably there um, because this uh, feast of Pentecost, they've gathered together. So there's Jews from all kinds of different nations, from different places that have gathered uh, and that are now dwelling in Jerusalem. And uh, as we see this, that group of people, verse 6, they hear the sound of the multitude. It says, and at this sound, the sound of the wind, the commotion that's happening in this upper room, they all gathered together. They came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And then it gives us a list. Um, verse seven says, and they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all of these who are speaking, uh, Galatians. So this multitude is gathered together. There's this commotion, what's going on. And all of a sudden they hear, uh, these men speaking in, uh, certain dialects and, and, and all these different ethnic groups are now listed. Uh, Dr. Luke makes it very clear. This isn't just one or two. He actually lists 15 different ethnic groups that will hear in their own tongue, in their own language, the gospel message as they begin to share what what God has done and who Jesus is. And they are amazed that they begin to talk in their own language. And uh, because, again, verse 7, and I don't know that this was, uh, was necessarily something that was um, to put down the those who were there, those 12 men sharing. Uh, but they said, are these not just Galatians? Meaning, how, how are they have the, the, the ability to be able to speak in these different languages? It's kind of like me. Uh, I think back to on some of our missions trips. Uh, we took a missions trip to Italy, and uh, I couldn't pick up any uh, of the language at all. I, I'm just—it's not my gifting. Uh, tongues is not my gifting. It's very clear. Um, and I remember we were running out of gas one day, and uh, Susan was with us in our van, and I said, "Hey, um, you got to go with me. Go with me into this gas station and and uh, talk to these people." And she's like, "I don't know uh, Italian," and I said, "Well, you know." Spanish and that's better than what I know. And so we went in and she understood a few words, which was great, um, of how to get around the mountain to where we needed to go. Um, then I think back to our time in Japan and we were there and our missionaries, uh, the Sadowitzes, Chris and Don are dear, wonderful friends. And we were there and we had a whole bunch of kids that were there and uh, we were doing vacation Bible school with them. And, uh, and we were playing rock, paper, scissors. And doing rock, paper, scissors, Chris was doing it with the kids and they loved it. And, and he, he then called me up, which was a horrible thing to do. But he calls me up and he's trying to teach me how to say uh, rock, uh, paper, scissors. And in doing that, I could not, I could not comprehend how to say rock, paper, scissors, shoot. And um, ultimately what came out was 
donkey poo, and the kids just busted up laughing. All, all that to say, I am not gifted in language, and, and maybe you are. Maybe you pick it up really easy. Uh, but I would have I been one of those who, as they heard um, the language, their own language, would have been amazed because I, I could never have done that. And so here you have a, a large group of people who are now being spoken to by a people who wouldn't have the background and, and the schooling and the education to be able to just learn these languages. It was something that was a phenomenon. It was a miracle that only God could have done. And they are standing there in amazement. I'm not going to read through the list again of the 15 ethnic groups. I'll let you do that. Um, I'm not really good, again, even in speaking in English, let alone uh, other languages. But we see there that that Dr. Luke gives us here are these 15 ethnic groups very clearly laid out. Uh, this, uh, this time, these 12 were speaking not in just gibberish, not in just some made up language. No, these were specific languages that these 15 ethnic groups specifically, they could understand what was being told of them. So we see down in verse 12, verse 12 says, uh, um, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? And there were some, verse 13 says that, hey, they must, be, they must have new wine. Peter, in a little bit, he's going he's gonna to give a response. We're going to look at that next week. But in, in this question, they asked, what does this mean? Um, when, when we think of... Um, what is going on here in the book of Acts, but also what is going on in our lives today. There's a few things that I want, I want to, I want to challenge you and I want to encourage you with. Um, first, I, I want to let you know, I, I have a huge burden right now for you as a people and as, as, uh, as a country and at worldwide, I have, I have a heart and my heart breaks, uh, for those people who are really, really struggling right now. And, and you may find yourself lonely. You may find yourself really weary and tired. Um, just not where to sure where to turn and what to do. I just want to encourage you uh, this morning with a couple things. Uh, first, uh, the answers that you're looking for today, um, we can turn to God. And God has given us some answers. Some answers we may not know right here and now, but God will reveal them over time. I believe that. And, and it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to ask of God uh, what he's doing and what's going on. Um, I don't know that it's good to demand an answer. And that's where we see in Job um, that Job struggles uh, because he's demanding an audience. I think we need to be careful that we don't demand an audience with God. Um, and so when we, uh, when we think of what, what is taking place today it gives us a perspective that helps us to see that our world is broken. Our world is broken. And there's no way to get around that. As good as we want to make it and as, as great of a place it is to live, um, our world is still broken. And we see that this is because of the fallenness 
of because of sin. Sin is a part of each one of our hearts uh, and it's in our life. And we see the evidence of sin around us in a fallen world and it needs restoration. It needs to be restored. It's not going to happen until Jesus comes back and until there's a new heaven and new earth because this, this heaven and this earth is broken. And so we need to know and we need to remember this is not paradise and it never will be. There are times in, in my own life that I want it to be. I want this world to be perfect. And I understand how, how we strive to make it more comfortable and, and a better place to live. But we need to come back to the realization that this world is broken. And because of sin, it is broken. And so we have a condition in our heart. It's not just the things that we do that are sinful, but we have a condition in our heart and it, and it is sin. And because of that, um, we need to be filled with Jesus. And so if you don't know Jesus today, I, I, I want to give you an encouragement. And, and in John 1, 12, it talks about to, to be able to look to Jesus um, and to believe in him. And um, John 1, 12 um, says this, says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You see, we have to believe in him. Um, we have to receive him. Um, we have to be, be, be willing to admit that we can't live life in this broken world without Jesus. And, and in John 3.16, it's a familiar verse. Probably many of you have heard or at least reference. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but will have eternal life. See, even though this world is broken, God offers to us eternal life, something that will last forever even when things are broken and we're in dismayed now. God desires to have an eternal relationship with you, something that could never be taken away. What your heart yearns for, the only thing that can satisfy what's going on in your life is Jesus. He is the biggest answer to whatever question that you have. He offers you an eternal relationship with him. He did that. God offers you an eternal relationship because of what Jesus did when he died up on the cross. He died. He was buried. And three days later, he rose again and he offers to you forgiveness of your sin. He offers for you to receive that gift of eternal life, to believe in him, to believe that he is the only way to God, to the father. But you must make that decision. Nobody else can make that for you. And that is a decision that you and I must make from our minds, but also in our hearts. We must believe it. It's not just one thing to believe it in my mind, but it must become part of who I am to truly believe that Jesus Christ is all that I need. It's not about doing enough good works. It's not about um, trying to raise a good family. It's not trying to, to do or to give because we always keep falling short because we live in a fallen world. We are fallen and broken people. And Jesus came to be the king of our life, to restore it all. And he offers you eternal life. I hope if you've not yet trusted Jesus, I hope and pray that today you would bow your head and you would bow your heart and that you would trust Jesus to be the savior of your world, to forgive you of your sin and to be your Lord, to have control over your life, to give him total control and say, Jesus, 
I believe that you died for me, that you take, I, I ask that you take all my sin away and that you would come into my life and that you would be my savior and my Lord. I turn from everything else and trying to achieve all of that. And I ask Jesus to be my Lord and my savior. If you do that today, please reach out, let us know. Uh, I want to keep praying for you. And uh, it's the most important decision that you will ever make in your whole entire life. Now, for those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus, how do we walk through this, uh, this time when we're looking for answers, uh, just as the, the, the Jews were there uh, in Jerusalem, looking around in amazement, they were perplexed. They were looking for answers, which sets the stage for Peter. He's going to give them some answers in the rest of the chapter. But what about for us? When we look at our world, when we look at what's going on, uh, can we see can we find some answers for what's going on? Let me, let me share with you a couple things. Number one, um, suffering. Uh, suffering, why suffer? Why, why do we need to suffer? Why, why is all this suffering happening? Not only do we live in a fallen world, but there's a couple other key things that when we look at the Bible, we see about suffering. And, and suffering causes us as Christ followers of his disciples, um, it it causes us to become more reliant and dependent upon Jesus. What it does is it strips away our own um, masks, but also our own uh, crutches and dependencies. It strips those away. When we start to suffer, uh, all those things start to crumble away. And one thing that's left is Jesus. Jesus is always there and he is reliant uh, and, and he is dependable. And so uh, it causes in us, suffering can cause in us an intimacy in our relationship with Jesus. Um, it also helps us with others. Think about this. In your own sufferings, do you tend to listen more to those who have gone through something similar to what you've gone through? That's what suffering does. As we suffer in our lives, it bridges, it gives us a bridge. It gives us a window to be able to help minister and help come alongside of others who are walking through suffering. And so as we walk through these days, know that God is doing and his purpose and his plans. He's doing something great, even in the midst of hardship, even in the midst of pain and sorrow. He is allowing suffering so that we as little Christian, as little Christ, as Christian, as, as Christ followers, that we can share the light of the world with those around us because we have earned that right in suffering to be able to share how that we've made it through. And it's because of what Jesus has done for us. People who suffer, John Piper says this, people who suffer want people who have suffered to tell them that there is hope. I want to tell you today, there is hope. There is hope and Jesus will guide you through this day and tomorrow and for all of eternity if you will allow him. There is hope and it's found in Jesus. Suffering helps us to become more like our Savior, Jesus, too. And you think about Jesus in this upcoming week and uh, all that it um, represents and signifies, Jesus suffered. He suffered for us. He suffered on a cross. He suffered uh, the whipping and the scourging and the lashings, um, not because he did anything wrong. Jesus did nothing wrong. He was perfect. Uh, the perfect son of man, the perfect son of God who came to earth and he suffered for you and me. In our sufferings, we become more like Jesus. 
God allows us to, to see and to become more like him. And we get the privilege of wrestling through uh, how do we suffer like Jesus? How do we become more like Jesus as he suffered? We can look at his picture and his example. And we can, we can wonderfully grasp hold and say, Lord, help us to suffer like Jesus suffered. Um, we get to become more like him. Suffering also enriches our lives like nothing else. Blessings are wonderful. Good times are great things. But there is nothing that will teach us more than when we suffer and when we have to go through pain and hardship. It enriches us and it builds us. It builds us, it builds stamina, and it builds us into the people that God wants us to be. When we look at this, um, we see this in 2 Corinthians twelve nine. When Paul is walking through and he has this thorn in the flesh suffering uh, and he says this, uh, that God says, my grace is sufficient for you. God says that to you. My grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. When we are weak, God's strength shines through, which then leads us to our life mission. What, what are you here on earth to do? What's your life mission? Is it for the ease and for the comfort so that you don't have any stress, um, so that you can forget about everything else and you can just enjoy life? What is your life mission? What has God placed you here on earth to do? Let me encourage you. It probably involves courage and it probably involves suffering. In the midst of what God has called you and I to do, our life mission, it is going to require courage and sacrifice. Because it may not look how you and I want it to look, because we tend to look at things and want them easy. No, it's going to require sacrifice, and it's going to require courage. And that's what we need these days. As followers of Jesus Christ, we need to be courageous we need to trust him like we've never done before. Trusting that he is good and he has a purpose and he has a plan. He has a plan for your life. What is your life mission? What has God placed you here on this earth to do? That's a question you need to ask the Lord. And, and walk with him each day and see how he, how he answers that. Using you. Using you in the face of the unknown. May God give you courage and strength. John 14, 27 says this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives, do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Don't be afraid. Worry can consume us. Worry is ultimately um, forgetting God's past record. What God has done in the past, that's what worry is. It's forgetting that God is good and that God has a plan and that he's doing good things. And ultimately, when we look at the past, what worry does is it forgets it. We forget how good God is and how God has provided and what God has done. Ultimately, an antidote to worry is thanksgiving. And so today and this week, each day, let me encourage you as a follower of Jesus Christ that you would find ways to give thanks to God. 
that each day, maybe you find one new thing to give thanks to God for that will help, that will help us as we walk through these days to not be consumed with worry. We have concerns, right? You have some concerns. I have some concerns. I have some questions. Uh, I'm sure you have a lot of questions too. Let me encourage you. Go to the Lord. Go to his word. Seek his face and know that he loves you. Know that God has a perfect plan. And even in times of suffering, we can trust him. I don't know what God is going to require of you and what God is going to require of me. All I can do is pray and ask the Lord for courage for strength because I know the cost of following Jesus is high, but yet it's worth anything and everything that it may cost me. I hope and I pray that you feel the same. I trust that you will continue to trust our great Lord and that you'll continue to walk with him. That doesn't mean we're not going to have moments where we, where we struggle, where we wrestle, where it's hard. This is hard. These are hard days. I know there are many of you who are working extra hours, long days. There's others of you who have lost their job or who have been temporarily laid off and you're not sure what the future looks like. There's others of you that, that are in a place in your life where you're not sure uh, what's going on because you're, you're, you're just such in limbo. Let me encourage you. God is there. Take this verse from John 14, 27, write it out, put it in front of you, be reminded where, where God says to you, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Don't be afraid today. Seek the Lord, seek his kingdom, and know that all these other things will be added to us. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, and that Christ died for our sins and that we read that according to the scriptures. Thank you that even in this broken world, we find hope. Even though we, we see a lot that is broken and, and we, be, we can become easily overwhelmed or dismayed, Lord, I pray that we would find hope and that hope would be found in Jesus. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, I pray that you would gather them like a, like a hen gathers her chicks, Lord, that they would find uh, peace and comfort and security underneath your wing. Lord, I pray that they would, they would turn to you and look to you for guidance and for strength and for help. Lord, I thank you for those who are listening today who haven't yet trusted Jesus as their Savior. Lord, I pray that today would be the day where they turn to you and look to you for the answers of life. Lord, thank you that you love us and that you have shown that love. You didn't just tell us. You showed us love because you sent your son Jesus. And Jesus demonstrated that love when he died for us and when he was buried. And he rose again three days later, proving that he is God, that he is Lord and control over all. Lord, as you humble us as a people around the globe, Lord, all of mankind, may we turn and praise you and thank you because you are a good and gracious and loving God. You've given us a way to have an eternal relationship with you. Thank you, Lord, for loving us and providing that way. May you help us to be people who are thankful, who turn our hearts to you, 
even in the midst of hardship and struggle, even in the times of pain, suffering, even in times where we don't know where to turn and what the answers are, Lord, help our hearts to stay in tune with you. Hold us dearly and closely to you, Lord. And may we not be afraid because we have a great God who loves us and who cares for us. We pray this in the name of our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. God bless you this week. I want to encourage you, if you have any needs, anything that, uh, that arises as you walk throughout this week, please don't hesitate to reach out to us here at West Hill. Um, we are so thankful for you. Um, please know that we are praying for you. Uh, we love you, and I, I pray that you have a great, great week, and um, God's blessing upon each one of you.